Welcome back to the Pit Stop Podcast, episode 32, where we're gonna continue our segment on frequently asked questions from our dealers. All right, so just getting into it, um, yeah, we get a lot of questions from from our dealers. And, you know, sometimes there are things that we as marketers think about and uh, or maybe don't think about and they're thinking about. So um, just, you know, continuing with our frequently asked questions that I've gotten from dealers. One of the things that I've heard a lot on is questions about how can we convert our eBay, our Amazon, our other marketplace channel customers into web customers. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that comes up all the time. So I just want to, you know, touch on that in this segment. Yeah, that's a great question because I mean, eBay, Amazon, they're great for their network. You know, you get access to all these people from, you know, all around the country that, I mean, theoretically you do on your own website too, but it, there's just more people know about Amazon and eBay than, right. uh, you know, unfortunately, your own website because they're spending millions of dollars in advertising. And so once you get somebody to your eBay or Amazon site, that's great. But now how can we get them to our site where there's more meat on the bone? We right. own Makes it. Makes sense to convert them because there's less, uh, there's no fees associated necessarily right. with your website aside from transactional. Whereas with eBay and Amazon, you're, you're paying, you know, seller fees mm-hmm. on top of... Uh, on top of your other fees. So it's something that's attractive to a lot of dealers to, right. to get them over to and, the site. And one way to do it is, you know, adding these these leads, these customers, their email address to your your um, email marketing platform. Right. So having different buckets too. And, you know, the different buckets are important. You can have your Amazon, eBay, um, and just, you have the lead. That's the most important thing. And mm-hmm. so it's like, all right, now what do we do with this with this lead? How do we nurture them? And, um, you know, how do we get them over to our website instead of just going back to Amazon or back to eBay? So, you know, making those lists, keeping those leads and organizing them is very important. So then you can drive them to your website or wherever you want to drive them. Yeah. And I always tell dealers, get on a schedule with it. You know, if you're using eBay and Amazon anyway, don't wait five years to update your email uh, list. You yeah, know, don't get on years. right. Then five then years is a little too people long. People aren't going to remember, you know, that that order they placed. They're not going to know why you're emailing them. So it's a good idea to just to get on a semi-annual or quarterly schedule where you're downloading that that database from your eBay, your Amazon account, and importing it into your mm-hmm. uh, your mail client. Yeah, and that's a good point. You know, who they're going to forget? Like, who did I even order from you? Right, like, who exactly. Are you again? Why am I getting this email? Yeah, <laughs> consumers are shopping from so many places these days. Right, you, know, you have to stay top of mind because it's just it's cluttered out there. So yeah, and if you're just point. getting started you know, doing this, that's, that's another relevant point. Right. Chop your, your list, like go back only so far, right. six months a year. Don't, don't go from the dawn of time when you started the account. Right. If you're just getting things up and going. Exactly. I think it's a good point. Um, another, another thing you could do and the dealers could do is putting promotional, uh, material in the packages that you guys ship out. I mean, we always, we were talking about in other episodes, Uh, that post-purchase experience Mm -hmm. and you know once somebody comes to your site they convert they order something that's great but you you have to think of the lifetime value of that customer and not only that but how can we take that customer from amazon bring it to the website how can we get that customer from ebay bring them to the the website where there's more meat on the bone and you have more control over your your brand image there uh, versus ebay or amazon so um you know put in a business card or put in something that's you know 
Yeah, maybe a business card, little notes, you know, outlining, you know, your process if you have any issues or questions, concerns, if you need to do a return, something like that. And, you know, I always remind dealers, this doesn't have to be like an expensive venture. You can put a, a promotional code on the bottom of your packing slip for if they come to your website, 100%. place the next order on the website yeah. and you get, you know, 10% off or something You know, like and that. It's, it's funny you say that because... Um, I've been ordering a lot of stuff off Etsy lately yeah. and it's funny because, well, it's not funny. It's, it's awesome. Every order I get, I get a little personalized message yep. and you know, these people are doing, it's a side hustle for most of them. They have reg, you know, right. regular nine to five jobs and they're doing this on the side. I'm assuming they don't have huge budgets to, you know, get fancy paper and you right. know, it's just something like it's, it's enough to show like we mm-hmm. took the time to show you that we appreciate your business. And if you want to do, you know, future business, here's 10% off or 50% right. off. If you or, like your product, come you know, back check out my website, yep. you know, cause I found them from Etsy. It's yep. great because I wouldn't have known who they were without the power of, you know, Etsy and their, their audience. You know, they had right. they, a lot of people go to Etsy, Amazon, eBay. Mm-hmm. And after I made that purchase, now I know where to go if I want to purchase in the future from her own website or his mm-hmm. own website. So, um, if they're doing it on Etsy and they don't have a budget, there's no excuses for you guys if you can't, you know, throw in a little business card or a little promotional uh, item into these packages. Right. Um, another big question that I get that uh, that I think is really important is um, how can we decrease customer returns? And this comes into play because obviously, you know, specifically with the parts department, we're dealing with a, a small, you know, margin of profit. So yeah. anytime there's a return process that can really dig into those margins so you want to try and keep those right minimal it's a great question and wasted you know ad budget i talk to dealers oh yeah wasted ad budget yeah if you're (laughs) yeah if you're if you're not listing you know if you notice a customer places an order for something and there was some part of that listing you know that was in error maybe it didn't say whether it was for the the passenger side or the driver's side now that you know that's an issue go in and correct it. You mm-hmm. know, if you get a phone call from someone asking that question, take the time to add that to the description so it doesn't continue to happen in the future. Right, or if you don't ship freight items or something like that, right. we'll let whatever your provider is, Revolution mm-hmm. Simple Part, whatever, uh, your marketing agency, let them know so they can go into the back end and say, well, let's not serve these ads for freight then, or let's not you know, make mark these ads for sale on the website if you don't sell freight. Yep. Um, don't I see that customers. a lot with uh, collision parts. Mm. So if you know you have parts within your yeah, catalog. Yeah, like a huge windshield. We don't sell windshields. But or a hood. They're custom painted. When they get there, oftentimes, yeah. you know, any little nick in that paint job can be a reason for a return. Mm. So... You know, things like making sure that your your freight carrier, um, that you're, if, if you're going to be shipping collision parts or parts that could easily be damaged or have right. been damaged in the past, maybe you um, bake in, you know, the cost for shipping insurance. Yeah, I mean, and that's a good or point, too, because to a lot of people aren't shipping those because they do crack or break or it's just hard to ship those. Right. But then, since a lot of people aren't doing it, that it's means there's an opportunity for people to do it. So exactly. if you can create systems in place where um, you let the consumer know up front, hey, it might take a little extra to ship there, or this, you know, it could, uh, the chip, the paint could chip, or whatever it is, right. just letting them know up front, like, this is what it is. <clears throat> right. And so they know where so it's not like... So here's the claims process that disclaimer. you're going to have to go through because right. it's going to be on the shipping carrier, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and just making sure you have a good carrier that, that will, you know, honor that. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing I see a lot is uh, 
policies lacking. So yeah. if if you have it in your in your return policy that in order to accept returns, there's going to be a 20% restocking fee. But if you didn't provide a VIN, there's a 30% restocking fee. Mm. Now there's incentive to the customer to make sure they provide that VIN. Yeah. And I think it's just educating the customer throughout the process. Because again, we've said this in other episodes, don't assume the consumer knows what a VIN number is, where to find a VIN number, right. why it's important to put a VIN number. Right. Don't assume that they know that there's going to be a rest- like. Assume that they don't know. Well, that's just like when the order comes through. If you see that it, nobody provided a VIN, you have all the customer's information right there. Right. You have their email, you have their phone number, you have their name. Pick up the phone, call them, mm-hmm. and let them know, hey, you know, we want to make sure this is a part where the trim really matters. It comes into play. There's there's two or three different parts based on that. So yeah. you're going to want to call them up and say, you know, your make model, do you know your trim? Do you have, can you give me your VIN so that I can do a double check on our end? Right. So some of that customer service, um, you know, it's really important. Yeah. Having your finger on the pulse. And I keep saying, we've mentioned this in other episodes, but we have, we've live chat, you know, just yeah. having your finger on the pulse, not an after the fact, after they purchase or like, Enter the conversation then and there. And, right. you know, we've even talked about maybe hiring extra staff or somebody dedicated just to answer emails, phone, uh, phone calls or do live chat because, yes, there's a cost to that. But you always have to think of the opportunity cost. Right. right. So it's of, like, all right, yeah. well, if you're getting all these returns, say it's a thousand dollars for the month with returns or customers ordering the wrong part, not putting in their VIN number, whatever the case may be. All right. Well, how much would it be to hire a part time person to you know, answer, field some of those questions where they could have solved some of those things before the order went out or, yep. you know, just to educate the consumer. You have to think about opportunity costs. Right. Just like you have to think of, yes, it is a cost, but what was the opportunity cost if you didn't have this person helping out? More hands on deck. Mm-hmm. Or, um, again, educating that consumer throughout the process, having and making it easy for them to contact you. You know, your phone number, your email, everything's on the front page uh, of the That's website. That's something easy I to find. see all the time. A lot of people will say, oh, well, we have the contact us page they can you know email us through that form Mm. you know here's the thing people don't want to email in a form and wait 24 48 who knows how long there's there's no real guarantee so while that form is great um having a chat or having a phone number is it's prime time you you really need to um You know, especially everybody always says now millennials, they want instant gratification. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, and mean, they're not going to wait. The, and that's the thing is you can't, it, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. And you have to adapt the consumer you're mm-hmm. left behind because if you're not going to do it, somebody else is going to do it. That's what I was going to say. Your and millennials are, doing it. are becoming a bigger and bigger, you know, yeah. part of this market share for buying parts online. And yep. it's only going to get bigger. Yeah. And so, um, you know, you have to adapt to how everybody shops but more importantly the biggest market which mm-hmm. is millennials and they shop with immediacy and you know wanting to be able to get in touch you know yesterday like they sure. want things yesterday not just now they want they, they want it as fast as possible so making that as easy and frictionless as possible well and that um, knife can cut both ways too that's you know also make sure you're including in your return policy a time limit you know mm-hmm. um 30 days Maybe that's too long, maybe 14 days, you know, from the, the time the product arrives. Mm. So that's something to consider um, is is having some cutoff or shortening that cutoff to a more realistic time frame. If you find that a lot of your returns are being processed because someone opens the package and, you know, maybe they use the part for a while and then they want to return it. Well, right. your return policy might be too lengthy. Mm. So yeah, it's, it's something yourself. to think about. Yeah. Right. So yeah, there's a there's a lot of ways you know that we can uh, we can 
we can really improve return policy. Packaging is important. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Yeah, it's true too. I mean, we've seen uh, customers complain um, about, say, floor mats that are put in uh, cylindrical units or, whatever, or cylindrical bins. Mm-hmm. Or I'm saying the wrong word, but it puts creases in yeah, the like, yep. uh, in the floor mat. And you know, I'm not in the the warehouse, you know, shipping these out, but mm-hmm. you know, we have to listen to the feedback mm-hmm. and maybe that is the cheapest way to ship it. Maybe that is the most convenient way to do but it. But if it's damaging, but the if it's final damaging product. the final product, yeah. well, is it really worth it? And, you know, listening to, you know, consumers, well, I got this and it, the floor mats were all bent or creased. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, why were they like that? And how can we potentially make, you know, that better in the future? Sure. Um, and yeah. some of that stuff you'll never know unless you ask for the feedback. Right. So Yeah, because um, you're doing as a business, all right, well, this is the cheapest way to do it. Right. And so it makes sense as a business, you need to make, you know, a profit mm-hmm. and you want the biggest profit margin as possible. So you're thinking of systems to deliver these uh, parts and accessories in, a, in the most uh, economical way. But at the same time, it's like, well, you have to balance that out between economics you know, and right. also what's realistic and you don't want to be shipping stuff out that's uh, defected or broken or creased or cracked or mm-hmm. whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. Um, another big thing that comes up is I get a lot of um, dealers that will call and ask me, I got an order and it's it's high risk from Puerto Rico. Should I process it? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, the fraud tools are in place for a reason. If you mm. get high-risk orders, if something in your gut feels weird, if this name on this order seems, you know, computer-generated, it's just a bunch of random letters, or, um, you know, you reach out to the customer and the phone number isn't the customer's phone number and it's a medium risk, these are all flags, you know. Um, a real foolproof method that I've found when you're questioning, like, billing and shipping address are different. What do I do? But it's not high-risk. You have the customer's phone number. Pick up the phone. Call them ask them to email you the back of their card. It's got their signature on it. Every card except Amex, it's got the CV2 code. There's no security risk sending that through you know, email servers. It doesn't have their credit card information in it, but it lets you know that they have that card in their hand. A lot of the time when we see people um, you know, thieves with, with credit card information, they don't steal the actual plastic card. They're getting it through, you know, some kind of terminal output. They're um, buying it online, mm. these kinds of things. So you can, you can avoid a lot of fraud or, or questions um, regarding, like, different billing, shipping, and process those orders um, and really safeguard the dealership by just asking, asking questions and asking for, for things like that. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, it's important just creating those systems so you know what to do instead of just canceling or just accepting. Yeah. Both can be bad. Yeah, just yeah. canceling could be bad. Just you know, accepting everything could be bad. There's a balance between having to do your due diligence, creating your systems, and you know, seeing what's legit and what's yeah. not. It's interesting you bring that up because it kind of leads into like another point that um, I thought about dealing with returns is um, you know, if you have to process a return, why why refund the customer right away? Maybe you offer them a store credit. Maybe you say, hey, you know, maybe this part wasn't right. Let me let me do an exchange so that you're not just going, okay, well, you want to return, send it back, click refund. Mm-hmm. Now you've you've actually, you know, kind of lost that business. You didn't really satisfy the customer. Whereas if the customer, you know, is having an issue with the product, maybe it doesn't fit, maybe they ordered the wrong one, maybe you say, okay, you know, you pay the return shipping 
and rather than refund you, we won't charge you the restocking fee if you want to just swap the part out for the correct one. Because then you're not losing that money um, from processing the return and the customer is not feeling upset about you know, a, a higher than usual restocking fee. Right. So there's point. ways around it. Right. Just be creative. Be creative. It's another, it's another way you can differentiate. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. That's a good point. That's a really good point. I mean, there's other plenty of retailers online. They might not be auto parts, but uh, that do the same thing. Yeah. Like store credit. We won't refund you, but store credit or we'll give you, you know, it's. All my clothes I buy online. <laughs> and I'm telling you, they don't always fit. I will only shop with retailers that offer that, that mm. swap. You know, mm. I don't want to have to pay a restocking fee if I if I order, you know, a, a size that isn't right, right in one brand. Everybody knows the sizing in brands is totally different. So, mm-hmm. you know, right. you can you can utilize little tricks like that mm. in, in the parts department. Just take some creative thinking. Yeah. Good point. All right, guys. Well, uh, that wraps up our FAQ session with yeah. Chris and myself. Um, keep sending us your questions. Let me know what you want to hear more about, what questions you have, what struggles you're dealing with so that we can do more of these podcasts. Yeah, no question. That is a bad question. Right. We've heard Except it. the unasked one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. Tune in next time to another episode of the Pit Stop Podcast.